This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. I want to invite you to turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1 this morning. We started a series on the book of Ephesians a couple of weeks ago and we're down to what I believe are some of the most important scriptures in all of the Bible. Paul's prayer for the church. Paul is, um, uh, well, uh, let me back up a little bit and, and restate some things that we've said before just for the sake of those of you that have been with us or um, uh, to re- remind you of some things that have been uh, said before. Uh, Paul is writing a, a letter to the Ephesians that's different than any other letter that he wrote. He's not trying to correct a problem in a church. He's not trying to address a, an issue or a situation or, or anything like that. Uh, but rather the book of Ephesians, uh, the letter that we know of is the book of Ephesians, is uh, more of a, 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 well, for lack of a better term, Paul seems to be stepping back and looking at the big picture of God more so than any other uh, letter that he writes. It's, it's not the uh, point-by-point doctrine of Romans. It's not the point-by-point correction or exaltation of Christianity over Judaism of Hebrews. It's uh, more of a, a stepping back and saying, here's God's overall plan and here's what he, here's what he has done and here's what he's going to do. And as such, the first uh, 14 verses of uh, chapter 1 is Paul talking about God's great plan of redemption. He's talking about the fact that we've been called out and chosen before the foundations of the world. He talks about uh, the fact that we've been accepted in the beloved. He gives us the same name, the same title as God gave Jesus himself when he spoke from heaven and said, This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He tells us that we've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And he identifies that this was all because God wanted to. Didn't have anything to do with us uh, per se. In the, in the sense that we had earned it, because we didn't. This was something that was done before the universe was created, much less man, uh, much less before man was created. And, uh, and as such, he talks about God's great overall plan of redemption. God plans something that's beyond anything that we can even comprehend, yet the Holy Ghost reveals some of it to us. And that brings us to verse 15, where Paul is going to pray the prayer of the ages. He says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now, it's interesting to me that Paul started praying for them when they heard of their faith and love. Now, there's, there's only two things that, uh, two ways we can interpret this. Either, number one, he wasn't praying for them before he heard of their faith and love, or he's praying for them in a different way before he heard it. But the point is very simply this. There was a time in my life, it wasn't a long period of time, but there was a time in my life where I was walking uh, according to my own plan, my own path. I was saved, but I wasn't walking in fellowship with God. And as such, I was doing some things I shouldn't be doing, and I was in college at the time and and um, just got involved in some stuff that I didn't have any business being involved in. Things that I knew better all the time, but I was trying to be popular and get along with everybody else and just being a, a coward, really, not standing up for what I knew was right. And, and as such, during that period of time, I had a lot of people praying for me. But folks, that's been um, 38 years ago. I've been walking with the Lord for 38 years. And I can tell you, walking in the Word, I mean, for 38 years, 
I've been saved for a lot longer than that. But, uh, but I can tell you this. I've had more attacks of the devil come at me because I've been doing right than I ever had when I was doing wrong. But it seems like we have such an, in, uh, um, an inclination to pray for people that we see are doing wrong. Paul prayed for the people that were doing right. Paul prayed what I believe, and I'll say this over and over and over again this morning and, and maybe throughout the rest of the series. These are the most important words or some of the most important words that we have record of in, the, in, in all of the Scripture because it's a prayer that Paul prayed inspired by the Holy Ghost. Then the Holy Ghost inspired him to write it down so that we'd know what he's praying. And then the Holy Ghost saved it so that we'd have a record of it. How important is this? It's of utmost importance. We need to pray for each other once we're on the right track because that's the point where the devil's going to try to throw something in our path to get us off the right track, to discourage us, to turn us the other way. That's when we need to be praying for each other. I would submit to you this, folks. It's more important for us to pray for our fellow believers, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, than it is to pray for the lost. Most people don't know what they're doing when they're praying for the lost anyway. They're praying, Lord, save Uncle so-and-so. Well, Jesus did that when he came to the earth and died on the cross. Most of the prayers that we pray for the lost or people that are doing the wrong thing are not prayers that are based on the word. But here's Paul giving us a Holy Ghost-inspired prayer to help people grow in the things of God, which must be first and foremost on the mind of God to impress him to do so. Wouldn't you agree? So what does he pray? He says, from the time that I heard of your faith and love, the fact that you were on the right track, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Notice that Paul didn't stop thanking God for them. We need to do that for other believers. Rather than pick out each other's faults, we need to thank God for each other. And he ceased not to make mention of them in his prayers. Now, what did he pray? What did he talk to God about for them or on their behalf? Notice he mentions three things. This prayer that he's going to pray over the next few verses mentions three things specifically. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know. And then he's going to mention three things. Let's talk about the first part. Notice he prays that God would give unto us, them, us, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. In what? In the knowledge of him. Now, folks, three things that Paul makes mention of is wisdom, knowledge, and revelation. Wisdom, knowledge, and revelation. Those are all three separate things. We think of wisdom and knowledge being the same thing, but they're not. Knowledge is an input. Knowledge is something we gain by information from the Word of God. But wisdom is what it produces as it comes out of us and in, 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 is put in practice in our lives. Wisdom is the right application of knowledge. Nowhere does the Bible say ask God for knowledge. But it does tell you to ask Him for wisdom. Because knowledge is our part. Gaining knowledge from the Word of God is your responsibility. Gaining knowledge of the Word of God from the Word of God is your responsibility. It's up to you to know what the Bible says about your situation. So many times people come to me and they'll say, Pastor Mike, I need help. I need you to pray for me in this situation, whatever the case might be and that they're going through or experiencing. And I'll say, well, what does the Word say? I used to say, well, the Word says this. And the Lord really quickened me on that and stopped me from doing that. 
Because I need to find out what the people know. It's not important that I know what the Bible says about your situation. It's important that you know what the Bible says about your situation. Because if I'm the only one that knows it, then I'm going to say it in the prayer and that's going to be it and you're going to forget it and it'll be gone. But if you know what the Bible says about your situation, then you can act on it. So it's important for you to know. Well, how do we gain knowledge? Knowledge comes through the Word of God. Now, I want you to notice something else. The knowledge he's talking about is not just a general knowledge of facts or things. He's talking about a personal knowledge of God. A personal knowledge of God. There's only one way you can personally know God, and that's through his Word. Here's where the church has messed up for centuries. The church has had the idea that if we prayed, if we just loved God, then everything's going to be all right. And that's not the way that it goes. You know God one and only one way, and that's through his word. God and his word are one. If you don't know what the word of God says about him, about you, or about your situation, there's no way you can know what God's going to do. Consequently, the church has prayed for centuries. Lord, if it be your will about all kinds of things that the Bible already tells us what the will of God is. If the Bible says Jesus took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses and with his stripes we were healed, why would we pray, Lord, heal us if it's your will? But the church is ignorant by and large, the church at large, is ignorant of the will of God because we don't have a knowledge of what the word says. That's our part. But wisdom is something else. Wisdom is the application For example, I can know what the Bible says about my healing. I can know what the Bible says about my finances. I can know that scriptures are in there that cover my situation or whatever the situation is at hand. But if I'm not acting on it, if I'm not applying it, if I'm not confessing it and believing it and trusting God to make it a reality in my life, then there's no wisdom being applied in my situation. Wisdom is the proper application of knowledge. Well, how do you properly apply the knowledge that comes from God's word? By doing what the word says to do. Believe it and speak it. That's wisdom. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What's the fear of the Lord? Putting God first. Well, doesn't that mean doing what his word says to do? That's wisdom. And so Paul's praying that the church, the believers, would be given by God the spirit of wisdom. Now, I want you to notice that. It's a spiritual thing. The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. He's not asking God to give us knowledge. He's asking God to give us wisdom, uh, wisdom and revelation concerning our knowledge. Now, what's revelation? Well, it goes on to say the eyes of our understanding being enlightened in the next verse. The eyes of our understanding. The word understanding literally means spirit. It's talking about the inner man. Now, where does revelation come from? Well, it's easy for us to say revelation comes from your spirit. Well, in a general sense, that's true. But in a specific sense, it's not. Revelation comes to the inward man. But what part of man? Revelation comes to the soul. The soul I'm speaking of is what the Bible speaks specifically when it's talking about the mind, the will, and the emotions. Revelation comes when your eyes, the eyes of your your mind, or let me say it this way, when the knowledge of God's word explodes in your mind to cause you to see what you didn't see before. That's not something that happens in your spirit. That's something that happens in your soul, which is part of the inner man. So when he's talking about the spirit of wisdom and revelation, he's not talking about that you would know things from the inside that you never knew before. He's praying that what your spirit already knows, the knowledge of what your spirit already has will explode into your mind and you'll see it. 
And that's what happens. Very rarely does revelation come the first time we see a scripture. Very rarely do we look at the Bible and see a scripture we've never seen before and say, oh, wow, I see it. What more often happens, at least with me, is when we take a scripture that we've seen and known and read maybe a hundred times and read it again and all of a sudden something happens to where you see something about that scripture that you've never seen even though you have read it numerous times before. What happens? There's a spirit of revelation that comes. Now what causes that revelation to occur? It's the Holy Ghost. It's something that God gives you. Wouldn't it be nice if you had the, the dial on revelation? I'd set mine to wide open. And that's really what Paul's praying. Paul's praying that the spirit of revelation would be wide open with us. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Now, whatever somebody, you or me or somebody else might think of why Jesus healed the sick, Matthew 8, 17 tells us why he healed everybody that was sick. Jesus healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bear our sicknesses. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. That God would grant unto us the, the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. The eyes of our understanding, literally our soul, being enlightened, that we may know three things. Number one, the hope of His calling. Secondly, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Thirdly, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? Paul prays three things. He prays that we would know. Now, let me say this again. I can't emphasize this too much. I can't overemphasize this. God wants you to know three things. Why isn't there a list of 12 things? Why three? These are the three most important things that you can know as a believer. And they deal with past, present, and future. The first thing is the hope of his calling. Now, we've seen this word calling before in verse 4. It's the word chosen. It's where the Bible says, uh, according as he has chosen us in him. That's the same word. It's the word called out. And it tells us that we were chosen or called out before him, before the foundations of the world. In other words, God had a specific plan for mankind before mankind ever existed. He called us out. He chose. He predestined us to us, meaning mankind, to be his family through the blood of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus. So now he's talking about what we're called to. What is the hope of our calling? Well, he's talked before earlier in the chapter in God's master plan of redemption about the, the redeeming of our bodies. He tells us about the first fruits of our inheritance. He tells us about the being sealed with the Holy Ghost. He's, all, he's pointing, each of these things is pointing to the time when we will have the, uh, the finished work of redemption, spirit, soul, and body. And we'll, Jesus will come back for the church and we'll receive our redeemed bodies. So the hope he's talking about is future. 
Now, I want you to get this, folks, because please understand, God is no respecter of persons. And if God wants you to see the future in one area, he wants you to know the future in every area. God wants you to have revelation on the hope of your calling. We know, well, let me ask it this way. How many of you know that Jesus is coming back for the church? How many of you know that when that happens, we'll receive our redeemed bodies? We'll be caught up in the air with him and receive our redeemed bodies. How many of us have a revelation of that? Difference between knowledge and revelation. Apparently. I think we take for granted the things that we know and we don't look for further revelation on it. But this is what Paul is praying. He's saying, I know you know about this. He spent two and a half, well, up to three and a half years. We don't know exactly how long, but it was between two and a half and three and a half years in the city of Ephesus. And even though this letter, as we've talked about before, is not specifically addressed to Ephesus, we know that the letter will go there. And so he knows of the churches that he spent time in, the church at Ephesus was where he spent the longest. He knows what he's taught them. When he writes to the Thessalonians, he writes a lot to them about the rapture. He writes a lot to them about Jesus returning. And he only spent four months in Thessalonica. So if Paul's pattern in Ephesus was similar to his pattern in other churches, including Thessalonica, then we know that he talked a lot about Jesus coming back. Probably a lot more than we do. Maybe we should do more of it. But Paul is saying, I know you know this. I know that I taught you that Jesus is coming back, but I want you to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him coming back for you so that you really see what God's going to do. Why is that important? Isn't it enough just to know he's coming? Apparently not. Apparently not. The Bible talks about hope being the anchor of our soul. Do you realize most of the things you worry about are future? Very few people are worried about what's happening today. Now, they may be worried about what's happening today continuing tomorrow. But most of what the devil uh, tempts us with and attacks us with and causes us to worry about is is, uh, tomorrow in the future. Well, what's going to happen? What are they going to do tomorrow? What are my loved ones going to do? Are they going to be good to me? Are they going to be bad to me? What's going to happen on my job? Most of this stuff is about tomorrow, about the future. The first thing that Paul prays that God would give us revelation about is your future. Now, as I said before, if God wants you to know your future as far as the redemption of your body, the rapture of the church, and I use those two terms interchangeably because they happen at the same time. If God wants us to know about those things, what what do you think he wants you to know about other things? There's a verse of scripture in uh, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. God said, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. I like another translation. The NIV says it this way. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. Well, if God wants us to know that he wants us to have a good future, wouldn't he want us to know what that is? See, one of the things, I don't know how much you rely on this stuff, but I rely on, on what Jesus said about the Holy Ghost a lot. One of the things that Jesus said about the Holy Ghost is he'll show you things to come. That's future, isn't it? I trust the Holy Ghost, who is the spirit of truth and spirit of reality, to guide me into the truth and to show me things to come, to bring things to my remembrance that Jesus said to us and to to show us things to come, to reveal the future. 
I want to know what's coming. That doesn't mean God will show you every little detail about every little thing. But you can have a general sense. You can have a sense by the Holy Ghost of things to come so that you can prepare for it. God will show you things to come. He'll prepare you for things. I've got things that the Lord told me 12, 13 years ago that I know that are coming to pass. He tells you to prepare you. God wants you to be prepared for the rapture. And there's something about it. And and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that I've got it and you don't have it. I want revelation about this too. But there's something about the explosion of the knowledge of God in your mind that changes everything about how you look at something. I, I can remember back to something the Lord gave me back in 1981. The summer of 1981 that changed everything about my outlook on God's blessing in my life. One scripture. One simple phrase in a scripture. It wasn't even the whole thing. But one phrase in a scripture changed everything that, about how I looked at God's blessing in my life. Revelation changes you. It changes you. Don't, satisf- don't be satisfied and settle for knowledge. Get the revelation of the knowledge with it. That we would know three things. The hope of his calling. The hope of his calling. Whatever you're called to do individually as as a believer. God's got a great end planned for you. Not just the end of your life when we receive our redeemed bodies. But the end of his calling on your life. Whatever work he's given you to do. There's a hope attached to that too. Those are the things that I seek after. Lord, show me. Show me my end. I want my latter days to be better than my early days. The Bible says God will satisfy you with long life. There's still some things I've got yet to go to be satisfied with. But those are things that we can look forward to. Those are things that can anchor our soul. Those are things that can keep us from worry. And from the lies of the enemy. Second thing he prays is the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. We'd receive revelation to know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Now hope has to do with future. Inheritance has to do with present. Present tense inheritance because of a past tense work of Jesus. That we would know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Thank God there's an inheritance. There is an inheritance. You have an inheritance in Jesus. Well, what is it? Well, generally we can say it's the same for all of us. In, in general terms, redemption or remission of sins belongs to all of us. That's part of our inheritance. Thank God for that. Healing's part of our inheritance. Jesus paid the price for that. The chastisement of our peace, our well-being, our prosperity was upon Jesus. So we have that as a part of our inheritance. But there are specific things that are part of the glory of his inheritance in you and for you that might be different than for me. Things pertaining to God's call and plan and purpose for your life. God has a very specific purpose. I don't know why, why, um, why this is, but it seems to me that so many times people that, uh, so many of the people that I went to school with, people that I went to Bible school with, people that I started off with in the Word with and, and stuff like that, they never had the specific information about God, what God wanted them to do in their life. 
And some of them, bless their hearts, have floundered around, tried this and tried that and tried the other thing. Well, I think the one thing that made a difference in me is I always, and I always prayed this for my kids, I always prayed, Lord, show them specifically what your plan and purpose is for their lives. I don't think there's any greater thing to know than that, is there? And I don't want to spend 20 years trying to figure it out. I want to know. I want to spend those 20 years doing what God has for me to do, not trying to find out what it is. Well, why is that such a hard thing for some people to figure out? I think very simply comes down to two things. We don't spend the time with God in the word that we need to, and we don't spend the time with God in prayer that we need to. Prayer is a funny thing because everybody seems to know about it. Everybody can talk about it. It's a whole different thing when you get to praying with somebody. When I first got around Brother Hagin, Brother Hagin said, you can tell a person's spiritual development by listening to him pray. So I made sure whenever I was around Brother Hagin and we were praying, I got as far away from him as I could get. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you the truth. I did not want to hear him hear, let him hear me pray because I knew I didn't know anything about it. I'd heard all the teaching and all the tapes that everybody else has heard, and I can quote the same scriptures that everybody else is quoting, but there's a big difference between hearing it and doing it. You can read the driving handbook, and that doesn't make you a good driver. Good drivers are the ones with experience. Good prayers are the ones with experience. Prayer is praying, and prayer is relying on the Holy Ghost to give you the words to speak. And if you don't have them to speak, you speak in other tongues. What a great blessing speaking with other tongues is. What, a, what a, a work the devil has done on the church in this world by denigrating speaking with tongues, ridiculing speaking with tongues. Because for so much of the church world, maybe the majority of the church world, they forfeit power in prayer because they're afraid of what people might think of them. The riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. The riches. Think about those words. We say them fast and they kind of run together. But think about what he's saying. The riches. God's rich. The riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Not even to the saints. In the saints. You've got an inheritance that's resident in you now. And that inheritance is rich in glory. Now, when I think about rich in glory, I think about Jesus. I think about the things Jesus did. I think about the, the fact that, that Jesus was the, the, the shining example of God here on the earth. The light of the world. Everything about Jesus drew people to him. What was that? same spirit of God that you got he had the same life of God that's been given to you one of the prayers that Paul prayed for the church as he was inspired by the Holy Ghost to pray was that God would give unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him there's nothing greater than to know who you are in Christ what belongs to you because of Jesus sacrifice and what God's plan and purpose for your life really is. Thanks for watching today. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Paul's talking about praying 
He's talking about believing God. He's talking about walking with God. He's talking about seeing things, spiritual truths with our understanding in such a way that when we come to the problem, they just walk on the water without even giving it a thought. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.